what, what did we call it? I've forgotten already. The RPS Electronic Wireless Show. Is that is that who we are? That's who we are. Exactly who we are. electronic wireless show issue slash edition two it is the 31st of may 2017 and i am joined i philippa war i should say i'm joined by brendan caldwell hello and adam smith hello hello should we clarify that you're not the economist or do you want to just have people laboring under the impression that you might be I have a real issue with The Economist, Adam Smith, because um, I'm guessing that you two may be the first Google results for your names. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing that may be true. And yeah. I never will be. And it's not just because he wrote some fucking book and was an economist. It's also because he had such a head start on me. He's really got that SEO nailed down, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly. I think that this is the thing. Adam Smith was a master of SEO. And yeah, I'm never going to get it. It's just, it's all over for me. There's a Bournemouth defender called Adam Smith as well. He comes up before me. You have to like type in basically Adam Smith nerdy strategy game to get me first. And then you still sometimes get the economist. Did I ever tell you that I have a Google alert set up for um, Adam Smith NSFW? You did, yeah. yeah. Mm, it's not for you. I mean, obviously it might end up bringing up results for you if you do anything nsfw but it was because i was um interested in whether there was anybody online who was writing um sort of older economist uh erotica and there wasn't the thing is he's more likely to get erotica written about him than i am as well this is the this is the state of things i've just brought up my other Google alerts, and there are patch notes, game jam, Christmas pantomimes, Holby City stars, and uh, Angela Lansbury and Liza Minnelli. <laughs> so he's in good company. <laughs> Should we talk about video games? Maybe a bit. Okay. Well, what are your Google alerts? Are they all just video games? I don't. I don't have any Google alerts. I don't even know what that is. I don't know how to set one up. Um, I don't want Google to shout at me any more than it already does. So. But what about news? What about obscure news that only you are interested in? I just hear about that eventually and kind of hope that somebody tells me about it. Wow, that's old school. Do you also buy a paper every day? Um, yes, but only because I need it for toilet paper. You buy toilet paper every day? <laughs> <laughs> I like that, that that is the thing that you took from my sentence. <laughs> like, that's the strange thing. Not that I use newspaper for toilet paper, but that I do it daily. Look, you've got to start somewhere with that sentence. <laughs> Let's not be criticising where I chose to latch on. 
I use the London Review of Books to line my guinea pig cage. The lurb. The lurb, yeah. yeah. Wow. Do you use the the um the Lonely Hearts stuff? That's the only bit I read and keep, obviously. That's obviously. uh yeah. Yeah. I, was, I, I wallpapered my room with it. I didn't. That's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> Shall we talk about oh, E three just to to move into safer waters? Okay. What what games are we looking forward to E three? I want to I want to get my vicarious Destiny two thrills via you having time with the game and then hopefully texting me about what happened. Is it the kind of game? Because okay, I've I've only played Destiny one for about half an hour. I feel like it's not the kind of game that I'm going to learn that much about in a little sit-down preview session. Um, although I guess I can get the feel of it, but I suspect from what I've already read, it feels a lot like Destiny 1. I think so, although obviously there's the additional dimension of hopefully you'll have some time with the PC version and you'll be able to report back as to how well they have ported that over and whether yeah. you know there's there's things that are better or less good than the console version because i think at the moment the big question for me is where i'm going to end up spending the majority of my destiny 2 time right yeah like i mentioned this briefly on uh, a different podcast that i'm cheating on you with um but uh, it, it's the idea that the legacy of the people that I have raided with and the people that I have played most with will obviously be on console. But then if a bunch of my friends end up migrating to PC, that fractures that player base. And I don't know which one I'll end up needing to be on, either for sort of bulk of numbers or for my own enjoyment, and whether one is going to have to come at the cost of the other. So what you're mostly worried about, Pip, is just this destiny civil war that's going to break out between your friends I'm worried that I don't have enough friends to sustain me taking one side in the Civil War. <laughs> How about you two? What are you interested in? Are you actually interested in Destiny? I am. I'm re- I'm, I'm very interested in it uh, because I've recently got back into multiplayer stuff and um, and yeah, Destiny, what little I played of it, I, I liked a lot more than I thought I would. I'd, ha- I'd had kind of a negative view of it. Not that I thought it was a bad game, but I started talking to people. I'd go out on press trips and I'd see people who wrote for console sites or console magazines and um, and a lot of them were playing Destiny and nothing else so I'd be stuck on in a pub with you know 10 games journalists who would just talk about Destiny and nothing else and I'd say could you guys must really love this game like two hours in and they'd all be like oh no we're really bored of it now and it's like but it's all you talk about that's kind of that's weird and I think they'd got to the point where they were burnt out with it but they were just still playing it uh, and that's kind of my fear with multiplayer stuff that it becomes something that I just do rather than something that I'm still actively enjoying. You know, you do it because you enjoy hanging out with the people who are doing it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's a good thing if, you know, you don't get to spend time with them any other way. But, but yeah, I so I, I've kind of shied away from multiplayer games for a while, but I'm, I'm just sliding back into them a bit now. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, yeah. yeah. I don't know. What else have you got on your schedule? You must have a really full schedule by now. Yeah, it's all all secrets. No, it's not. There's hardly <laughs> any secrets. <laughs> um, um, there's, there are some things that I can't talk about yet, but it's mostly uh, big publisher stuff. So the way this tends to break down is that E3 is the show where I'm more likely to be talking to big publishers and looking at the big exciting stuff like the AAA stuff, and um, because E3 
attracts that kind of thing more. I mean, you know, Ubisoft and Bethesda have both got their own press conference again. EA are essentially doing their own mini show again, um, which is in Hollywood, which is, if anyone listening is in LA or has been to LA, um, it's a long way from the convention center. It's a pain. But uh, but yeah, so there'll be um, whatever Ubisoft have, which we know Far Cry 5 is happening, know the Crew 2 is happening. We know that Assassin's Creed is happening. I don't know how much of these things are going to have to show. Far Cry 5, um, I don't think is going to be playable. I'm almost certain it isn't. But um, but we'll get to see more of it. I'll, uh, I'll get to interview some people about that. Uh, the Crew 2, I have no idea what they'll show for that, but it's probably not going to be hands-on again. Uh, and Assassin's Creed, God knows. Uh, they might just like have a T-shirt. I don't know. There, there was actually a T-shirt that leaked today. Like there was some image of a T-shirt with Assassin's oh, Creed yeah. Origins on it. Yeah, like the, like the the T-shirt might have leaked the um uh, character or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, and presumably this is like E3 merch that's already out in the wild. And... Hang on, wasn't there like some scientific breakthrough that ended up being leaked because someone baked a cake with the equation on or something, and and then obviously that gazumped the announcement that was then made about said scientific breakthrough i'm guessing you have a google alert called scientific cake leaks because i've never heard of that (laughs) i should do i'm going to do that now you talk amongst yourselves (laughs) well this is a good time to ask you brendan what are you looking forward to that may or may not be announced at e3 or who should i be talking to at e3 I i don't know i kind of um i've lost track i think over the years of what gets said at E3 and I'm also really bad at looking into the future with games as in I don't know when they're coming out or what's happening I'm ter- I'm a terrible games journalist I shouldn't be here <laughs> I don't know I just I kind of like the spectacle of it more than anything and I also enjoy how cringy it is <laughs> it's like my Eurovision it's like kind of just watching this big expansive show about things that are always going to sell well and do well and then, you know, the amount of, let's say, hype and, yeah, you know, over-enthusiasm for some of the things makes a lot of, makes me laugh. It's the whooping, the absolutely, like, bizarre amount of whooping just about, you know, cannons and explosions and, oh. It kind of breaks that rule that, what was it, no clapping in the press box? Something like that. Like, I'm not immune to feeling enthusiasm or excitement about things that look cool, but you have to have some level of professionalism, right? You're at work. Yeah, I mean, you are at work. That's the thing. Like, Well, also just being able to look at a thing and try and assess it rationally or think yeah, you know yeah, exactly. what's what the value of it actually is or which bits of it look interesting and which bits don't rather than entering a totally hyped up mindset and it's actually a very different experience from attending for example esports events because those for me are very much more you take the game as like a a, a given but it's more about you know telling the stories of the competition and where you know people have excelled or not but in every other scenario like i just can't imagine being there as staff and whooping well we did a um a thing called hype check last year where 
we basically went through the um the claims like the most outlandish claims that developers had made during their presentations and kind of like put a dampener on it like basically came out and pissed on everyone's period with with like <laughs> like just like saying okay this is rhetoric and that's not true and this is you know like exaggeration so we'll hopefully be able to do the same thing this year uh, there's a weird thing because uh, we we ask this question among ourselves quite a lot is that e3 is open to the public so people are going to be going there to have fun uh, and to me it's a place that i go for work and um i was listening to um uh, the British film critic uh, Mark Commode the other day, and he was talking about how much he hates going to Cannes, the Cannes oh, Film Festival. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and and I was like, that. oh, I've always wanted to go to Cannes. It seems like it'd be great. But then I was like, hang on, it's E3, isn't it? It's Cannes his is E3. E3. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I'd probably hate it. But what's interesting is that at Cannes, they famously will boo films and walk out of films, and you'd never get that at E3. E3 is all positivity, and in a way, I'm like, is that not a nice thing? Because it would be kind of shitty, even if I don't like a certain game or a certain publisher or a certain developer. I feel that it was really cringeworthy. People, you know, journalists, critics started booing them off the stage. I'd just be like, come on, guys. No, I think I think we could do with a bit more of that. Do you reckon? More of... Shall I start it? Do you reckon I should start it? Yeah, just you leaving EA's press conference going, I should have had to come to fucking Hollywood for this, you bastard. <laughs> But but I I do actually agree in in a strange way I think that that I don't like the snobbery of something like Can because I think it does cross over into actual snobbery but I do think that um, games criticism is lacking some snobbery um, you know I don't, I don't think we should be elitists but I do think that there's um there's a there's a tendency and I'm not pointing fingers I'm I'm including myself in this there's a tendency to enjoy things at the same level I think we're still quite bad in our kind of critical language uh, of making a kind of hierarchy of things. And I, I don't mean like this thing is better than that thing, but, but you know, there, there are distinctions to me between something like an Edith Finch, what remains of Edith Finch, which, you know, you know, you've been writing about today, Pip, and, and something like Far Cry. And I enjoy both of those things, but I know which one I value more as a, a, a creative work lest I sound incredibly negative, I am actually looking forward to E3, and I do genuinely enjoy going to these things. Right, well, shall we move on to what we have been playing this week? What have we been playing this week? Adam, have you been playing Friday the 13th? Did I see that be a thing? I have, yeah, and I absolutely love it. That's one of the games that's got me back into the multiplayer games, actually, because a few of my friends who don't live up in Manchester, where I am, um, picked it up and, um, and my sister who I grew up playing games with and we never play anymore because she's down the other side of the country and we just played it all bank holiday weekend whenever we got like a free hour we jump on and do a couple of rounds and I just I think it's really good and it's got quite a lot of stick online um, as games do you know like uh, the Steam forums are a horror show and it deserves some of it I mean on launch day the, the servers were down for four or five hours which is crap you know it's well hang on hang on hang on so it's a multiplayer game. That's what I'm getting from this. What else? What do you do? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So you have up to eight people in each round. Seven of them play the camp counselors. Uh, if you don't know the Friday the Thirteenth films, it's you know it's a slasher film. You have a killer, and it's at summer camps. These American summer camps, and the counselors are the teenagers who are running the camps. And you have seven of those, and then you have one person playing Jason, the hockey mask murderer. 
And as each round starts, there's a little cutscene showing Jason killing someone and everyone else runs off into the woods and hides. And as the counsellors, you have to try and either repair a car or a boat so you can drive away or call the police by fixing a fuse box and then phoning them and they arrive at the edge of the map and you can go and get rescued by them or just survive for 20 minutes. You can apparently also kill Jason, but I've never seen it happen. And as Jason, you just have to kill everyone. The, the thing that I really like about it is that it's, it's quite gamey because it's obviously a competitive multiplayer game, but it's really trying to simulate how those films feel. So you have all these powers for Jason. like He, he walks slower than the counsellors. So you have that thing where, that you always get in those films where as they're running away, he's behind them and he's, they're always getting away from him. But he has a power where he can teleport forward slightly. So then he just suddenly catches up with them um, and they have to kind of duck and weave to get away from him. And the counsellors have like a fear meter. Uh, you can't actually see it. It's just like done through the noises they make and stuff. And the more scared they are, the more visible they become to him. So he's got like a hunter mode. And if they're really scared, they glow as red silhouettes so he can hunt them down. And he frightens them by separating them. So you have to kind of divide them and chase them away from each other. Uh, and you can like smash the electricity boxes outside buildings so all the lights go off and they immediately panic. And So all this cool stuff. And you can smash windows so when they climb through windows, they get cut on the glass and i mean which is horribly gruesome uh and like one of the things is that you, you unlock new kills if you're jason and you can do really horrible nasty things when you catch them but it just really captures the the sense of the films and i don't like the friday the 13 films i don't think they're actually very good like the, the first one's interesting but like a lot of these franchises do they get sillier and sillier and sillier and i get that some people really enjoy that but i never really have but this feels like just a, a really good cat and mouse thing and uh yeah i think it's great so you're saying that it had some launch day problems though yeah i mean i think so many multiplayer games do they claim that they just had more people playing than they wanted to but you would claim that wouldn't you it's like you know oh god my party went wrong because so many people showed up <laughs> and you're sitting there on your own wearing a party hat um <laughs> but um, but whatever happened it, you just could you you could not get a game it just the servers were just completely dead and they acknowledged it and um that was on friday and then saturday sunday monday i had no problems with it i mean you're talking like six seconds waiting time to get into a game the one thing i'm unsure about with it is that communication really helps the counselors like it's good to be able to talk to each other and it's got full voice and there's a nice thing where you have to be close to each other to talk to each other but you can also find walkie talkies but Jason can also talk and sometimes it gets a little bit ruined when you have like somebody who's just running around making daft noises as Jason or <laughs> just mocking you in a really silly way. And I just think they, they should silence him. Just take his voice away. Just blaring out Whitney Houston or something. <laughs> well, I, I had one guy who just had heavy metal music playing into his mic really loud. Uh, so whenever he got close to you, you just hear it in the woods it's just like what the hell <laughs> and then one guy who i think was russian who every time he caught someone would just be like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry which was really really <laughs> creepy <laughs> <laughs> like as he's like pulling the head off but i i was thinking that that could actually be really cool like if you had somebody who would properly get into the role playing of it like they'd sneak up behind you and say hi you know yeah. like really quietly <laughs> you know just behind you and then that would be terrifying obviously i'm never playing this game yeah yeah and like i say you can just mute them if they're annoying so it's not it's not a massive problem it's just quite strange i guess i didn't expect to be able to hear um the other side almost it's funny if you're jason and you like i had one time where i was 
sneaking around as Jason. I'd seen two people was creeping toward them. And I could just hear one of them saying to the other one, uh, no, you need to press G to get into your inventory. You need to, and he's just like, no, it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I feel kind of bad about this because they're clearly in the key binding or something. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I, so I just told them, I was just like, guys, rebind your keys and then run, okay? I'm giving you 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that in an actual Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> Oh, man. So when you play, are you playing co-op with your sister or is it that, you know, you're, you're against each other? Yeah, well, it's, it's random. So um, you don't know who's going to play Jason. Uh, you can choose to that you want to be more often a counsellor or more often Jason or you don't care, uh, but it just randomly assigns you. So, so and, and I think this is one of the other things that some people have got annoyed about is that they want to just play as Jason um, and you only get that. I mean, by averages, once every eight games. And some people just don't seem to enjoy playing as the counsellors. But, but I, I actually prefer it because, yeah, the teamwork's really good fun. So, so my sister's only been Jason once, uh, and she has it set as preference for being a counsellor. And the one time she was Jason, every person got away because she was so bad at it. <laughs> and I think it just humiliated her. And she's just like, no, if, I get, if I'm him, I'm just going to quit. Maybe she's just not a natural monster. Well, that's it. Yeah, she, she is just, she feels bad about it. It reflects well on her as a human. They're not real. I don't mean because they're teenagers. I mean because they're literally not real. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the thing, I, I, it is quite creepy. Uh, it gets very silly because... You know, you end up running round and round tables with him chasing after you, you know, like, <laughs> in this really silly way sometimes, clocking him on the head with a frying pan to try and make some distance. But it is quite creepy at the beginning when you don't know where he is and, and then suddenly he just appears. There's a really nice thing where it plays like his signature music from the films when he's nearby, so you, you know that he's close. And he has a mode called stalking mode, and if he activates that, then it cuts off the soundtrack, so you have no idea where he is anymore. Again, it feels very cinematic. You get like the musical sting to let you know that bad things are about to happen. Yeah, it's good. But I should stop talking about it now, and uh, you should ask Brendan what he's been playing. Yeah, Brendan, what have you been doing? That was so accusatory. <laughs> you have? I haven't had an answer. Uh, I don't know. I've been playing Gwent, which is that Witcher three card game. What do you do in Gwent? It's a collectible card game. And you have to have a higher number at the end than your enemy. <laughs> you basically have to have a bigger army than them at the end of a round. And it's out of three rounds. And basically, if if anyone has played the Gwent game in The Witcher 3, it's the same thing with kind of new cards and little powers and stuff that you might... To make it more like an actual CCG, like Hearthstone or Magic Gathering, stuff like that. It's incredibly dull to talk about <laughs> after after hearing like the uh, horror stories of Jason smashing windows and getting teenagers' knees all bloody. But it, it's quite soothing in the way that a lot of these card games are. Like I play Duelist and I play a bit of Feria. I enjoy Netrunner and stuff like that. What is it most like? Would you say? Because I mean, they all play very differently. Is it is it like something? complicated in the vein of Netrunner or is it more like I don't know like Whist or something you know a more basic card game or Snap? It's not as complicated as say Netrunner or Magic Gathering I don't think. It, it's simple in the sense that you just need to have a higher number at the end than your enemy. It's very 
like playing cards game mask, if you know what I mean. But it's more to do with kind of bluffing and drawing your opponent out and making them overplay their hand. If you've ever played a game called um, Condottiere, I think it's pronounced. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. It's a card game, a physical card game, where you play uh, a mercenary in the Italian Wars. And you basically have cards that you throw out. And it's the same goal, I believe. You're trying to get like a higher number at the end than your opponent. But you'll throw a card out and it'll have like a 10 on it. And it'll be this big man in shining armor and a horse. And your opponent will go, oh, I've got to match that 10 now. So he'll throw out like another card with a 10 on it. And it'll be a big man on a horse. And then you'll throw down a card and it'll just say like a little scarecrow on it. And you're basically saying, that wasn't a man on a horse. That was just a man made of straw. And you take your 10 card away, and then you kind of like, I don't know if you finish that round in Condottieri, but you kind of like have made them overplay their hand. And because they have done that, you now have kind of wasted their resources for the next few rounds. And you do exactly the same thing in The Witcher. You're trying to like coax the people to use their big cards without you actually having used your most powerful things. Because you're, because you're saving them for later. It's all about, they use the phrase, you know, losing the battle to win the war. And it's kind of like that. Okay. That's the nice thing about it. It feels like there's a kind of trumps element to it in terms of, yeah, like trying to read people and get them to um, play things thinking that you're doing a particular strategy and then, yeah, coming to bite them with something else. Yeah, yeah, there is that, but there is also the added difficulty when you start any of these collectible card games, which is that you don't know all the cards, and other people will have cards that you don't have because you haven't earned them yet, mm. um, or you haven't unlocked them through the... They've got ore, and you have to save it up and then buy barrels with it, and inside the barrels are five cards, because it's always five cards. And you might not have the things that the other people have, and you can't build the deck that you want to build, so... It is about earning yourself a better, a better deck, and it is free to play as well. So you, you know, they're doing all the things that normally free to play games are doing. Does it actually work as a standalone game? Because obviously, it was something from within a different game to start with. Yes, it it works. It works surprisingly well. I'm really enjoying it. I haven't, um, I didn't give it a lot of thought or time because I had played a bit of The Witcher Three and I had played Gwent in the game. And I kind of just dismissed it because it's very, very simple. And mm. it's, it is definitely just about getting your number higher than the other person's. There's, n there's not as much uh, kind of buffoonery and chicanery muddling your cards around. And, you know, as far as I could tell, there wasn't as much, um, there wasn't as many clever card players or different things that you could do. Mm. But in this, it's been, it's been reworked a little and it's been made a lot more interesting and a lot more like other collectible card games. I think it works really, really well. Like I'm really enjoying it. That said, I am only playing the single-player missions so far. I haven't had the, the courage to go against another human yet. That's interesting because I played it last year at E3, and I really liked it, and I was playing against other people. Oh, there you go with E3 again. <laughs> yes, sorry, but no, I'm just pointing out that I've not played the release version or the beta or whatever it is. Is it actually out now, properly out? It's beta, I believe, but it's right. open. It's so open now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what it is, or it's like kind of in it's in early access e kind of waters now. But you can get it through uh, goodoldgames.com if you install their Gal Galaxy client, and you can just get it for free. 
my thing with it was that I I never played much Gwent in The Witcher Three. I played a lot of The Witcher Three, but I wasn't one of those people who played a lot of Gwent in it. I never liked it. Uh, and when I played it against actual people, I realized that the reason I hadn't liked it in the game is because bluffing against AI just didn't entertain me. But bluffing against real people was really good fun. And because um, it feels very different, I don't play many of these card games, but I played not a lot of Hearthstone, but enough to get to the point where I was like, I'm as good as I'm ever going to be. And wasn't very good at all. Whereas uh, Gwent felt much more like something I might enjoy long term because because it does feel not psychological. That's too strong a word, but it does have that uh, tricksy element to it, which which I I enjoy. And none of the designs like poker, but it does have a little bit of that in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I definitely recommend it for anyone who likes uh, collectible card games. I tend to play them. I'm playing them for a review, for instance. Like if I I played Feria for review. And I liked it. I thought it was a good game and very well made. Improved on like a lot of things the Hearthstone does even. But I didn't go back to it after the review. You know, and I think it's... Just, I'm not even playing Gwent to review it. I just started playing it because I was doing a news story about it. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll have a go about I'll have a go at this. And um, I just started playing it and I actually enjoy it. And I'm just playing it on my free time now. So, And for someone who only really plays Duelist as a card game... It feels it feels easy to recommend. That does sound interesting. I think I I struggle with um, collectible card games simply because it's by the time I've got to grips with the vanilla stuff, usually everybody's moved on about twelve million expansions, and you know that certainly happened with Netrunner. I'm still happy to pootle around with my uh, with the base deck, and everyone else is like, oh yeah, but have you got this? Have you got that? And you're just like. I totally sympathize because um, that that is the way all collectible card games will go and Gwent will go that way. I find like with these games, it's always better to get in on the grind floor and play it until you're tired of it rather than joining the party late. Because when you join the party late, you know, they'll say that uh, it's okay. We'll only match you against other players who are new. And, you know, there is some of that 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 can happen. But you will eventually hit a, a wall where someone will wipe the floor with things that you don't have in such a rapid fashion that it's difficult for you to even understand what's going on. Yeah, you don't even know why you lost. Yeah, yeah, and it becomes about keeping up with your opponents in terms of you know either working for the cards to earn them or paying out for the cards. And I think if, if you're really, really into it, then, yeah, keep going with it as far as you're interested. I, I enjoyed Hearthstone literally up to the point where I looked at a Hearthstone guide and it was saying, like, oh, I, you know, if you're going to build a Necromancer Zoo deck or something. And I was like, I don't know what this means. And then I never played it again. I was just like, I don't know. I don't know. People are building decks that it seems like if they go into the game with it, they've basically won the game already. I won't beat them. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do that. Well, it's that thing of there will be decks that are just more viable than others and then people get into the habit of netlisting, which is where you just, you know, get a a set of instructions or, you know, you get a deck list from the internet and just play with that because it's the way that you... Yeah, yeah, this is how you're supposed to play. It's optimal, at least. It's not necessarily going to win you the whole thing, but... I have a confession to make in that I look up duelist decks online whenever i was playing it a lot a few months ago and i would take them as a as a kind of springboard and then i would change out the things i didn't like about it mm. is that still bad 
Am I still a bad person? Well, I don't think it's bad, but then again, I don't think that the that netlisting in itself is inherently bad. I think it's more that it speaks to the fact that the game has become a solved problem at that point, and that people are going to figure it out. And there's no sense, you know, if you if you want to win, then there's no sense in not using those decks. If you see what I mean, unless you're just trying to play a different way on purpose or i agree and i think it's something that the developers as well don't want to happen because they will purposefully make their starter cards very powerful and very useful always um for instance in gwent there are weather cards that you can have and the weather kind of like um takes over one row and drop drops people's health on that row or gives buffs to your own people and things like that uh, and and those weather cards are available to you from the start. Like you you usually you have starter decks that include all those weather cards or the most basic things, and you also have a card that clears all weather from the board to make it a clear day again. And and they're hugely powerful cards, and they they're always going to be given to the starter people. They do that because they don't want the game to get to a point where you know it is a solved problem. It it does go that way. It's not even in the developer's interest to make it that way. <laughs> you know, it's in their interest to keep releasing more and more expansion packs and keep shaking things up and nerfing cards that are too that they say are too powerful and changing things because they want people to keep buying the stuff, but they definitely don't want it to ever become a, a thing that you can go in with one deck and come out and have one. It's a really weird balancing act and you'll encounter it in things in any living game really when people patch things because you know something's getting stale or boring or is overpowered or whatever and and you see it in league of legends things will get reworked because for example you know if the early game is boring to watch then that's a thing that affects the game as a business proposition it affects the game as a spectator thing it affects you know what's actually interesting to play and so um but you're always struggling i think to balance change and um variety with coming across as doing it for the sake of it or for the sake of you know getting people to to boost it up again and learn new things and all of that yeah yeah um but yeah gwent is is good I think if you're into car games, you should definitely give it a go. You said it was on GOG. It's on GOG.com. You need to get their client and then download it, but it's free. Hooray, another game client. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's free. It's good. Go for it. I have been playing... What have I been playing? Cross Cells. That's the one. I was about to say Hex Cells, because always, but um, no. I have been playing uh, Matthew Brown's new Cells game, uh, and it is a similar kind of thing to his previous works, in that you have tiles and you have numerical information that corresponds to some of the tiles, and then you figure out which ones to leave active on the board and which ones to remove to solve the puzzle. On a scale of, like... One to everybody's mom. How Sudoku is it? It's more like killer Sudoku, which are the ones where you have the normal Sudoku board, but within that you have almost like jigsaw pieces that will tell you what the total of the numbers there add up to. So you use those extra snippets and pockets of information to inform how the puzzle 
fits together. It's similar enough to his previous work that I think anyone who has enjoyed those will also enjoy this, but I think that it requires more actual maths and less logic than some of the previous ones, so... Oh, see, I was about to ask like, how much how much maths. I'm bad at maths and logic. I can't do either. <laughs> well, it's, it's basic in that it's, you know, uh, addition and multiplication and things. It's not you know, oh no, not multiplication. <laughs> oh, the worst one? No, division's the worst one, actually. Yeah, long division. There's no long division in it, is there? No, there's no division at all. Alright. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, um, so in the same way that... So with Sudoku, normal Sudoku, you could theoretically just use symbols, right? It's because... killer Sudoku, Sudoku, but with Jason Voorhees. Yes. I don't know who that is. That's the that's Jason from Friday the 13th. Oh, you never mentioned his last name. No, I didn't know. He does have <laughs> I one. I thought he was like a friend of yours. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, so you know how Sudoku could be symbols. It just happens to be numbers, right? Yeah. I didn't know that, but is that? Well, I mean, as in it's essentially an exercise in working out you know, which symbols go where, and it just happens to be numbers. But the killer Sudoku uh, variant then does require you to do a bit of maths on top of that because you're working out, you know, the totals of the squares. They're 45 all told. And then, you know, you've got like a little piece that adds up to 17 and you're like, okay, well, there's only two spaces here. So that must be a nine and an eight. You know, it it becomes about more than the symbols. It is, it starts to tap into maths. And so um, cross cells has more of that as, you know, the, the way that it works. So for example, it will tell you some of the things it will tell you are about how many tiles in a row need to be left on the grid and how many you know you would therefore need to remove but other things are about the actual total that that line would have this really feels like a game that i I need to play it to understand it is really hard to explain there is an issue here every (laughs) time john who also likes these games every time john catches me playing a strategy game or a management game he says that looks like work what you just (laughs) described so it's like harder work than any actual work I've done in my entire life. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I, I, I'm yeah. very happy that you and John enjoy these things. But for him to say that Football Manager, for instance, or Europa Universalis looks like work, that's got more, that sounds much harder than anything I ever do. So you know how your brain goes when faced with like the square root symbol and how yeah. you just sort of tap out? That's yeah. what mine does when it's like, and this is the honor like icon, and this is the you know the grain icon, <laughs> and I'm just staring into the abyss, going, I don't know what you want from me. You know what does that for me? What? Baldur's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't do this again. Every every episode, I'm gonna call it out. No, I do like Baldur's Gate. Fine, fine. Seven out of ten. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so yeah, so I really like cross cells. Uh, the only frustrating thing that I really found about it, I mentioned it in the review, but essentially, if you make a wrong move in the puzzle, you die in real life. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> Jason will come to your door. That man, 
Uh, <laughs> and I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, no, it won't. It, it just instantly boots you out of the the puzzle and makes you restart oh. the level entirely. And so sometimes that's annoying because you've lost the the groundwork that you made. And that's sometimes, rubbish. well, yeah, that's and like sometimes it um it will just give you the information that you really didn't want. Like it's a, a you know, if it's a relatively small grid that you're dealing with you actually end up knowing whether something is a, a tile you can remove or keep just by what you did wrong and it's really hard to forget that information and a few times I my fingers were doing opposite controls because I'd had a break and was you know doing something else or playing something else that involved the other way around and I would then go into cross cells and then it would boot me out and I'd have to try and go from first principles and try and ignore the information that I had about the puzzle and that was so odd it was such an odd design decision because even though clearly the game wants you to be strict about the logic that you use and maybe not make guesses surely the punishment is that you get it wrong and work through to the end with the wrong thing and then have to unpick it rather than that it suddenly goes nope and here's your mistake it's so keen to say and here's your mistake that just felt odd so i'm wondering whether he might rejig that or rework it it doesn't want you to just guess your way through everything well yeah which is, which is what i would do if i ever played a game like this <laughs> but the thing is like it doesn't matter to the game right like it's the that's either you being satisfied or not it's like people who just write nonsense words into crosswords just so that they can fill in the boxes <laughs> who does that i've got my hand up <laughs> got my hand up <laughs> But you know what I mean? It's like the, the, the newspaper itself doesn't care. Tell you what, the Times gets really angry when you keep mailing them in, though, and trying to win the prize. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so if you think about it, it would be like if you were doing the crossword and you put the wrong word in or you'd spelt something wrong, and instead of letting you get to the end and then having to work back and go, hang on, that's not how you spell potato. Protatra. <laughs> It would be like the the paper would suddenly shout at you, uh, you've got that wrong, and by the way, it's this word, and go away now. I'm shutting now, forever. <laughs> and you'd have to like wrestle it back open and start all over again, but knowing the answer. <laughs> so they're doing this crossword, the Necronomicon. <laughs> 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 this sounds great now. You've yeah. won me over. Well, the analogy rather got away from me. So yeah, that was that's my experience with that. But there is a review on the site. Yeah, and there's also um, the Friday the Thirteenth piece that you wrote, yeah. isn't there, Adam? And have you you gwented on on the site? Did you, Brendy? Or I haven't gwented. I've just put a news post about Gwent. But I believe we have some people who have gwented. Uh, Martin Gaston gwented, I think, previous versions. We will we will put some links to those things in the post uh, and direct you accordingly, dear listener. Mm. I believe we are about to have a new segment. Does that sound right, Patch Adam? God, I don't, I, I don't <laughs> actually know what this involves. But all right, well, I'll, I'll explain it to you. Don't worry, Patch Adam. It's very simple. All right, it's at your expense, but it's very simple. Oh. We take a, a game, we look at the patch notes, and we hand pick a few of the patch notes, and then come up with a few patch notes of our own mix them all together, and then we read them to you, and you have to guess which is a real patch note, which is true, and which is false. Is it Call My Bluff, but with patch notes? I don't know what Call My Bluff is. I don't know if they can sue us, so it definitely isn't. 
Yeah, well, no, this is, no, it's this nothing is like a very it. different it's thing. It's nothing like It's also nothing like the film Patch Adams. Which... <laughs> it's not like that either. It doesn't even have an S at the end. It's Patch Adams, so that's what it is. This week we're doing Crusader Kings 2 because we talked about it of last week and it, we always has, it always has good patch notes. Oh, no. This is going to be hard. Well, you know, uh, are you ready? So is Crusader Kings 2. Crusader Kings 2 doesn't make me do maths. Well, maybe it should. It's alright. This is gonna be this is gonna be easy for you, Adam, because you play a lot of it. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go. All right, you ready? Yes. All right. Immortal characters should no longer die when making love too fiercely with their spouse. Oh God. <laughs> well, the immortal characters should no longer die sounds absolutely right. Uh, that sounds like something they would have got wrong. There can be immortal characters now, but I don't know if they, while fiercely making love to their spouse, would fit in. I'm going to say that is true, though. It is true. Yes. I was going to question where Brandy was getting that from as like a, as a line, otherwise. It was like, why, why is that where your see, mind See, I just went? accepted it. I just, yeah. <laughs> well, let's see how you react to some of the rest. Okay, next one. Fixed dead characters sometimes still being in wars. I, I'm going to say that's true as well. I'm going to say false. Can I join in? You can join in, yeah, of course. It is Patch Adam, not Patch Adam and Pip, but, you know. <laughs> Pip Adam! It's a competition now. Yeah. We find out who knows more about Crusader Kings 2. I think it's a lie. Well, it's true. Oh! I'm losing. I don't like this. I should never have joined in. <laughs> okay. Fixed regents sometimes marrying themselves to themselves. Yeah, you see, this is tricky, because if this is false which i suspect it is it sounds very genuine true i'm going with true i'm gonna say it's false it is false no the demon child can no longer trigger the aztec invasion ahead of time oh i um i don't see why that would be a sequence of events but i've not i've never played with the demon child true uh i'm gonna say it's false it's true god damn that demon child at a Viking blot, you no longer gain the trait envious when you sacrifice your own siblings. Uh, Stunned silence. It's a stunning statement. False. I'm going to go with false as well. It is false. Yes. Blind characters can no longer host or participate in stargazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's false. true. That's true. It's true. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, that's that's a proper thing. They fixed that. That was a mistake. I can see exactly where that snuck in. You know, they've, <laughs> they've put in the stargazing event. They have characters that can have a blind trigger switched on, and they've not put two and two together. <sighs> I thought it was Brendy being clever. No, of course not. Messing with you and me. Okay, here's the next one. Fixed Aztec horse archers being invisible. False. I'm going with false as well. It's true. Oh, oh. what the hell? Pudducks, that's a terrible mistake to make. <laughs> I want to know what interaction that was from. Uh, I think it must just mean on the map. Oh, uh, okay. As they're moving around, yeah. Uh, it would just be the actual units. Yeah. It's a mundane thing, really, that sounds magical. We've only got a few left. Concubines will no longer attempt to form a merchant republic. I think that's true. I don't want to live in a world where it's true. I want it to be false. I want them to have their republic. It's false. Oh. Yes! No, but they'll they'll never do it anyway. I've just made that up. I 
don't like that way of reading this situation. <laughs> the great concubine republic of Venice. Yeah, also I was kind of thinking about porcupines instead of concubines. So <laughs> this whole thing has gone a bit sideways. Porcupine lords are no longer invisible and can no longer marry the demon child. Mm, I've heard that. I would say that that's true. That is true. Okay, here's one. You can no longer plot to eat your vessels. No, sorry, that's wrong. <laughs> you can no longer plot to eat your vassals. <laughs> I I think this one has to be... I think, oh, God, you see, this is must be from Monks and Mystics again. Monks and Mystics is the latest expansion, and it added lots of supernatural stuff in. And I didn't know you could plot to eat people in general. So I'm going to say it's false, though. It is false. You were right to be wary. I'm disappointed, though. I don't think you can plot to eat anybody. I'm not sure, but I don't think you can. It makes me sad that you can't, now. All right, last one. Adjusted the date of birth for Budic of Nantes, so his son isn't born when he's eight. Oh, that's got to be true. Yeah, I would say true. It is true. You're right. Yay! Yeah. All right, I wasn't keeping score, so I don't know who won that, but... I did. <laughs> the porcupines won. <laughs> The Republic of Porcupines. <laughs> is that going to be more patch notes next time, do you think? How, how often does Crusader Kings get patched? Well, the thing is, we can do a different game any other time. There's lots of games that would that would work with this. Dwarf Fortress would be a good one to mine some patch notes. Yeah, from. Dwarf Fortress is great, yeah. By the way, the cake that broke the embargo was <laughs> just popped up on your Google alerts, didn't it? <laughs> was <laughs> I googled it? Shush now. Was about the gravitational waves discovery, and because the person had like iced it onto the cake, they didn't think that it was like, you know, obviously. Little did they know that the baker had a doctorate in physics and knew exactly <laughs> what the what the formulas meant. So. Well, she was a researcher. It wasn't a formula, but she um she did like a picture of the celebratory cake. And the article that I've got up said Ryan to told the Washington Post it was a person called Erin Lee Ryan um that she was aware of the ten thirty a.m. embargo, but didn't think that tweeting a picture of a cake constituted a violation. <laughs> I'm like, I can see that. <laughs> I cannot wait to start taking some cake pictures from E3 as soon as I get into any behind the scenes stuff I'm just going to be baking cakes left right and center my favorite thing about this is that the article goes on to note that this was not the first time she had broken an embargo with a picture of a cake oh wow <laughs> apparently in 2013 she cake tweeted to celebrate the discovery of propylene on Saturn's moon Titan <laughs> this scientist needs to get another job I don't know. It's useful, isn't it? For you know, you just follow her on on Twitter and and keep an eye out for cakes for science news. It's... We need her to work in video games because then we'll get all the hot scoops. Yeah. Mm. It would just be a she'd just tweet a picture of Assassin's Creed logo every year. Be like, brilliant, brilliant. We could replace hot takes with hot cakes. Hot cakes. Yeah. That's good. Hot bakes as well. Wait. Speaking of logos, we were supposed to mention the Ubisoft logo. As Alice demanded it, oh, our news oh. editor demanded that we talk about that, and we we didn't we didn't talk about it during hot news. Oh dear. Well, I'm oh, looking no. at a picture of it right now. So hang on, hang on. Let me get it up. Let me get this on my screen. Oh, oh. You don't sign the mist, Pip. No, no, I don't. I'm sorry. 
But yeah, they, they, Ubisoft announced that they have a new logo, and it's an evolution. They did a video showing the evolution of the Ubisoft swirl. If if you imagine that you're looking from above at uh, a soft serve, you know, Mr. Whippy yes. type ice cream, then that rather helps with... It does. It is a top-down view of a Mr. Whippy ice cream. That's a very mm. good... That's true. I mean, I, I do hate, I have to say, the 2008 version, which is the one that we've had for a long time, which is the big blue dot like with the swirl in it i hate that logo so i i am gonna say this is a step up how can you summon heat from a logo like how can you summon the energy to hit a logo you know what and this is gonna sound really terrible i think it's because i've just played so many ubisoft games since 2003 so in my mind every time that flashes up tom clancy's gonna happen i do like this line from the blog in 2003 the swirl appeared on the scene and once again, signal the shift. <laughs> Paradigm shift, I bet. I always remember the, the rainbow hat, you know? It had a rainbow hat. Yeah, yeah. That was the old, old Ubisoft logo. It was wearing a rainbow. Yeah, I think it was like in the era where I was still playing Rayman and things, right? That era. Well, much as this <laughs> this trip through, through, through memory lane, down memory lane. Around memory lane. Pass the bins on memory lane. <laughs> we are the roadkill of memory lane. <laughs> yeah, we should take some reader questions and answer those reader questions. So there's one here which is probably, I don't know if anyone else can answer this one. I certainly can have a shot at it, which is, uh, do you think Didelic have been successful in expanding beyond point-and-click games? Um, which I'm guessing is based on the long journey home having just come out. I mean, they've done non-point-and-click games before, but Daedalic are most famous for um, their point-and-click games. Uh, German developer slash publisher, um, they most famously... Oh, the most long-running one they have is... Um, oh, God, I can't remember its name. Uh, well, you can hear me typing, possibly. <laughs> um, the one on the trash planet, uh, Deponia. And I've never been a fan of their adventure games. I have to say. Uh, then they did a couple of RPGs set in the Dark Eye world, uh, Blackguards, um, Blackguards 2, and now they've just done The Long Journey Home, um, which I reviewed today, and I, I like it. I think it's it's a really a surprisingly uh, attractive game. It's really it's a very small team. It's really beautifully made. Um, uh, we can put a link into my review. So I would say, yeah, it is uh, a success. I think it's they've obviously got people at the studio whether they're new hires or all people who are interested in making different kinds of games. Mm. They've got a another uh, point-and-click game going out, which is the one based on the novel The Pillars of the Earth, which I've played and not, does seem good, actually. I mean, I, I think that one feels like a point-and-click game I would play, which I can't say about their old stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think I think that it's, it's a good thing for them because I think that the adventure games had a, a market that, that liked them, they had an audience, but they were never really going to grow as a company just doing those games. So, uh, so I would say yes. Um, and even though I didn't love the Long Journey Home, I think it's I think it's got a lot of really good Wait, stuff. So, is it. the Long Journey Home a point and click game, or is it something completely different? No, no, no. It's um, it's um, it's an RPG essentially, but it's an RPG that feels like lots of mini games. Uh, it's it's vaguely similar to No Man's Sky in concept but not in uh, practice um, you have a crew and oh, FTL is probably a good example but again it's it's a different kind of game 
uh, you have a crew of people, uh, they're testing out a faster than light drive and end up millions of light years, well, thousands of light years away from Earth. It's like Star uh, Trek Voyager. Exactly. Star Trek Voyager meets No Man's Sky meets FTL. Um, and you're jumping across to get back to Earth and you run into different alien species and get all these different quests. It's sort of like the old game Star Control as well. Um, and it's got some really good writing in which um, our columnist friend uh, Richard Cobbett was responsible for. Disclaimer. Yeah, well, I'd, my um, acknowledgement of that which is absolutely true on the review, was that I have to edit about 2,000 words of Richard Cobbett every week, so I should be bloody sick and tired of looking at words he's written, and I was actually quite pleased to see more, so good on him. But yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's the right person for it. It's very, it's very referential humour, um, and Rich is good at that kind of stuff. So yeah, it sounds like it's boding well, which is just as well, because I think the only game I've played of theirs was 1954 Alcatraz or whatever it is, and I really didn't get on with that. You know, it just wasn't interesting. So so hopefully this bodes well. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I think they've just grown as a company um, and seem to have made some smart hires and decided to, you know, set up teams to, to try different things, because even like, say, the Pillars of the Earth is a point and click, but it looks like it's a much more serious and really beautiful art style. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully so. Will there be another GTA London, somebody asks, which, um, I mean, uh, it's a question I ask myself often, which is, will GTA ever move away from America? Because um, GTA London was the kind of 1.5 GTA back in the old top-down 2D days. There was GTA and GTA London, then GTA 2, which was the... Uh, one set in the future, which everyone seems to forget, was like the near future. Uh, and GTA London was like a retro kind of um, get Carter esque uh, Cockney gangsters thing. That was a, a strange accent to put on there. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not so good with the uh, Cockney gangsters. I don't know. From New Zealand or it's something. It's like Danny Dyer is in the room with us now. <laughs> Cockney gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh is that closer? That sounds like Swedish or something. I don't know. No, I, I can't get it. Um, so yeah, I I think they should stay away from London because it has is the city of impossible accents. I don't think they should do GTA London either. I think forget it. Go do it somewhere else. Would you say take it to a new country, or would you say just do more America? I would say take it and put it somewhere that it won't get made. Because GTA Five felt overwhelming and like I don't know I really I really like like strolling around in GTA games but I just feel like I get why they're impressive but then I I really don't like the stories that they tell and they really really focus on telling the story. I feel like move, moving away from America might make them less lazy with the satire, but then they'd probably just get more offensive with the satire. Yeah, I see that. I think if it. I think if it was going to be a, you know, well-researched look into perhaps, you know, the the ways in which sort of social, you know, uh, which crime and corruption and and things manifest in a in a completely different city and different environment would actually be genuinely interesting. GTA Baltimore. I thought you were going to say GTA Bolton. <laughs> GTA Whitstable. GTA Hall. <laughs> I, I would play, like, um, GTA, what's the name of the village in Hot Fuzz? Like, I'd play that, GTA Hot Fuzz, 
But you know what I mean? Like, I would be interested if it wasn't like a lazy trawl through stereotypes, but was actually a sort of, you know, like a really fleshed out look at, you know, just something that I haven't seen before, you know? Yeah, I mean, the the weird thing is, is that uh, Red Dead Redemption, which is a, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 is possibly a game we might see more of at E3. It's still not confirmed for PC, but presumably... We'll get it in like 2072 or something. So, um, and Red Dead Redemption, like it still has some like fairly ropey storytelling in it, but it is trying to do a proper kind of end of the West, end of the frontier story. It takes itself much more seriously. And like, I'd love to see GTA just treat itself either. I mean, basically, I don't mind the idea of GTA being. A satirical game i think that's fine but i just don't think it's so lazy in the things it targets that that's the answer i guess yeah don't do gta london just focus on red dead redemption 2 and make that good all right but wait there's one question from a uh, one alice o'connor <gasps> which asks everyone's talking about what the new spiral will do for us but what can we do for it <laughs> um we can put a flake in it Yes. Oh, and maybe some um, like raspberry syrup. We're gonna eat it. We're gonna eat your logo, Ubisoft. We're coming for it. I'm gonna end this on another on another bombshell. I'm not a big fan of ice cream. Oh God. I don't know how to respond to that, Brendan. How do you feel about ice I'm cream? I'm leaving. I'm going. I'm, not, I'm staying in the same podcast with this monster. I'm going to go and have an ice cream. I'm gonna have two ice creams just to make up for this. I'm gonna go for an ice cream in the bin. Oh can't even deal with you anymore. Goodbye!